I'm with His Excellency C. Samal, who's Minister of Environment at the Royal Government of Cambodia. And we're here at the Raffles Hotel in Phnom Penh. Welcome, thank you for your time. I asked my 17-year-old son what would be the appropriate opening question to ask the Cambodian Environment Minister. And being 17, he asked ChatGBT, the online artificial intelligence algorithm. And he came up with a good question. So ChatGBT asks you, as the environment is a matter of great importance, what initially sparked your interest and passion for environmental conservation? I think since I was growing up, as uh, 10 years old, 11 years old back then, I think curious about things, right? I was curious the way animal was moving. I was curious why different plants and uh, how come they got different leaves. I was curious why some months uh, we in here in Cambodia was dry and someone was raining. And I was curious how fish uh, can swim and I can't swim, right? <laughs> and uh, a thing like that, right? A very small thing like that. Curious why some animals can stay underwater and we can. We have to, you know, come to the surface and things like that. That um, one thing get to another, and uh, I end up doing science at uni. Here you are, you know, <laughs> Minister of Environment. Please outline for us Cambodia's approach to developing Red Plus forest projects. Uh, opportunity, first of all. If you look at that question, I think you have to look at the contact where Cambodia is coming from. The first contact I'd like to share with you is that Cambodian society, uh, the society that you see right now, is a rebuilt society. Remember that we have risen from the ash of war, mountain of bones, uh, river of blood, right? The Khmer Rouge literally decimated our society. So everything is from nothing, from zero, right? So that's one contact, and that not long ago, right? The second contact, if you look at our society between 2009 and 2019, after we attained peace and stability, we have a sustained economic growth for the last two decades before the COVID, right? If you look at that, first thing that you see, we move from dependent on natural resources, subsistence agricultures, to family scale, to mechanized agriculture. And now we diversify to not just rye productions, we have a cash crop production, we have a softwood industry, we have others, a farm more mechanized, more organized, and ensure optimal production, right? If you look at our industry, we have garment industry, we have a car assembling industry, we got bicycle, we got high-tech industry taking root in Cambodia. Look at construction sectors. Before we just build basic road, we have to depend on foreign aids and expert. Now we're able to do ourselves. If you look at another sector, tourism, we move from mass tourism to Cambodia to a more mature niche tourist. So all these sectors help. Another thing is banking sectors also fuel all this industry, right? Cambodia have become a middle class society. So that's, for me, it's a cornerstone where we can develop Red Plus project here in Cambodia. It's time for us not to lock our forests anymore, right? There are opportunities we can do something else. Cambodia today is not Cambodian 10, 20 years ago. We are different Cambodia. If you look at Sea Game opening here a couple of weeks ago, you see that we are a new Cambodia, right? I devise our strategy that we should go for Red Plus project. Why don't we keep our forest standing and earn money at the same time? And it works. People like Avalon come who got very interested and make things happen and realize our strategy here, here in Cambodia. I might add that it fit very well into our strategy.
peace, stability, sustain economic growth, macroeconomy on that level. But for us, we need to move below layer of our society. So we use money from Red Plus to do ecotourism, improve livelihoods, build community economy, make sure kids can go to school. Green finance has helped to finance community business and also help to enhance agriculture, make it more efficient and optimal production at the local level. And for us, that's the jackpot. Our idea is if they have strong livelihood so that they can protect the remaining biodiversity here in Cambodia. So how is Red Plus, or how much is it part of your strategy to work towards Cambodia's Paris Accord commitments? That's Article 6. We basically answer to Article 6. We're happy that we partner like everyone, that we're able to accomplish this. Let's go into some of the detail you mentioned just now. Why do you think that a partnership approach is important for these Red Plus projects? We cannot do it alone. We have to partner with people like Avalanche and also partner with UN agencies and private enterprise and also individual philanthropy from all over the world. And when the projects are being developed, how do you think the national Cambodian interests and local interests and incentives can best be aligned? The money we earn from Red Plus will go to, I say, school, infrastructure at local level, human resource developments, uh, clean water. Things that will help to sustain a local economy, not just for the near future, but for the long term. We want to create an economy at a local level that can sustain job creation for a long time to come. How does the Ministry of the Environment benefit from Red Plus projects here in Cambodia? Our interest is that our people at a local level, which depend on biodiversity wealth, don't depend on that anymore. They depend on something else. And there is also, as I understand it, there's a share of revenue comes to for the Ministry of the Environment's work as well. Exactly, and also help to lift our image in the international community as well. You've been Minister for some time. Ten years. Why was responsibility for forest protection transferred to the Ministry of Environment from the Ministry of Agriculture in 2016? Not exactly. Here in our system in Cambodia, there are protected areas within our mandate. At the Ministry of Agriculture, they have two mandates. One mandate is agriculture, and then the other mandate for them is also protection. The government decided in around 2015 that say, look, the Ministry of Agriculture should focus on agriculture and the protections of our remaining biodiversity should be the Ministry of Environment. Why do you think it's important that local indigenous peoples properly benefit from protecting their forests? It's not just the indigenous people. We are multicultural society, you know, we're a very tolerant society, very open society, which uh, I don't think many you see across the world, right? The benefit, the money, finance that we got from Red Plus, they will get benefit from that as well. From what I've seen in Cambodia this week, I've been traveling looking at Red Plus projects. I've seen that protection and enforcement of that is very important. What more do you think that the Minister of Environment can do to help the indigenous communities protect their forests? Firstly, is rule and regulations, their existing law, and even our environmental code, which will be tabled with the parliament in a few days' time, specifically designed to protect cultural heritage, protect way of life of indigenous people here in Cambodia. On a practical level, our government has been and always been pay very close attention and put all the resources for our community to protect their culture, their way of life. And, but at the same time, we need to be able to let them integrate with the rest of the society as well. If you look at our law, 
not a single article that will stipulate that we prevent them from doing this and that. It's not. It, you see, I, I told you, Cambodian society is very open, tolerant, uh, a multicultural society. That's our way of life. It's been all the way. I guess re recognizing that there are challenges locally. I mean, inevitably there are. How does the Cambodian government influence or advise around the priorities for investment of revenues locally? We have consultations with communities, with local government and national government. My job at the national level, we coordinate between the local community and local government. What is their priority, what they want. But while at the same time we also intervene, there should be school, there should be clinics, they should have clean water, we should get rid of malaria here in Cambodia, in their community. That's other thing we do as well. And we use this money to do it. Yeah, it became very clear to me that it's not just, it can't just be a question of saying here's some money, it's going to be a question of helping people to realise the best benefit of that money. So we're thinking about that then, and, and when we are looking at investments, how do you, you, your colleagues, and other layers of government ensure that, that the rights for indigenous peoples are held and, and respected? I don't think it's an issue for us. Often people will raise the question you just raised. But for us, it's not an issue. Because, it, like I said, we are a tolerant, open and multicultural society. That's, yeah. Someone asked me when I was in the projects, is there anything that the government can do, for example, to speed up the indigenous community land title process? Is that the sort of thing that can be done to just to move things along? Don't get me wrong. Land title has all been given out. Our government is very clear, crystal clear. We have recognized of all indigenous people here in Cambodia, of all community, different ethnic groups we have. The government has recognized that. Central government, what do you do to help establish the boundaries and maintain the protected areas? I've, I've visited them and there, you know, there's a lot of work going on there, but what do you do to help? The protected area established in 1993, the first uh, 23. Now we've got 74. We have readjusted. We find like everything now. It's of all the boundary of protected area uh, has clearly established and we registered all the protected areas. It's safe. We've talked about carbon markets and, and we talked briefly about the Paris Accord. How do you see the potential for biodiversity markets developing? It strikes me this could be another big issue for Cambodia. Do you think it's going to be a move away from a strictly carbon? Cambodia is a middle class society now. Living standard has improved, well educated, well informed. So make my job a lot, a lot easier. They understand. For example, Mekong rivers and Telesap generate about two billions of fishery resources for Cambodian society. Our coastal province, about another two billion uh, for them. Cambodian understand. These are the protected area that will help to sustain their way of life, their cultures, their economy. I think that is a big plus. It, we come to terms with that. Before, we, we didn't really see that, but now we see that. Now, Red Plus projects, they've shown international companies that Cambodia is a place they can do business. How does the government plan to capitalise on that? We have already capitalised on that, but uh, we're looking for more to come. We have proven to the world that it's worth. Most important, the local people here and our government have recognised that it is one of the ways that we earn revenue for Cambodia. We also consider that recognize that part of our economic development as well. So I think this is a big plus, which uh, you wouldn't be able to think about it 10 years ago. I just feel that there's a lot happening here for sure. Yeah, yeah. Let's think a bit about the future. Are there plans for more Red Plus projects in Cambodia? Right now we use nat native forest. There are mangrove forests, which is a big thing of carbon here in Cambodia, uh, both uh, freshwater and marine system. And also our orchards across Cambodia 
also attain a lot of uh, carbon in that as well. So we need to calculate at different scale as well and different type of farming here in Cambodia or different type of forest, right? Here we even have grassland, but re and, and those are the type of grassland that retain a lot of uh, carbon as well. There are some really exciting things happening with the Red Plus and the Red Plus methodologies that can be transferred elsewhere. Yeah. I mean, what are your hopes for the future then? What are your hopes for Red Plus and, and other environmental issues here? No, in I hope for a prosperous Cambodia. I think I'm lucky and grateful that I see a new prosperous Cambodia in my lifetime. As a young kid growing up here during the 80s, right, so you got nothing because we just pull ourselves out of war, right? To be able to see a prosperous, a secure, peaceful Cambodia, what else can you ask for, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so my kids are going to be growing up in a prosperous society. It's not for us, you know, it's for a generation to come. We want to see a little charming Cambodia in Southeast Asia, right? Your Excellency, thank you very much indeed. Oh, my pleasure.